Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. And good evening, I'm Clarence Boone. Welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning show, now in our 14th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. Good evening, I'm Liz Mitchell. In today's broadcast, we'll also speak with Monica Johnson, director of the Neil Marshall Black Cultural Center, and with Gloria Howe associate instructor and recent IU doctorate graduate in higher education and student affairs, who will come on to discuss campus and citywide Black History Month kickoff activities and all of this in the next hour on Bring It On. I will make a programming note of change. Uh, Monica Johnson has a new title, Liz, in addition to being director of the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center. She's director of university and cross-cultural engagement oh. for the whole system. Oh. And then also, uh, unfortunately, Ms. Howe won't be able to join her this evening, um, but nevertheless, we're looking forward to a very engaging conversation with Monica. As we always say, but first, Teresa White is Executive Director of Miss IU. The first Miss IU pageant occurred in 1946. Yes. From there, the event occurred in phases, depending on whether an organization sponsored it or not. When White noticed there was no Miss IU at a Miss Indiana pageant, she judged uh, this particular pageant in 2010 when she made that observation, uh, she became determined to help represent the IU community. Pageantry at IU organized workshops with Miss Indiana and Miss IU title holders in January and February of 2018 to help contestants prepare for the competition. White has gone on to record stating that we have really wonderful young women who are smart, clever, beautiful, and fun. We need to be at the table. Out of 36 local Miss America pageants in Indiana, White said Miss IU is the only student-produced pageant. All right. And uh, Teresa White, along with Andy Hagan, who is an executive, an executive officer with Pageantry IU, uh, they both are joining us this evening to discuss the upcoming Miss IU pageant scheduled for Sunday, fe- February the 17th. Now, Teresa and Andy, welcome to Bring It On. Yes, welcome. Hello. And again, another programming note of change. Um, it's no longer referred to as pageant. Yes, we're in the Miss America 2.0 phase. Okay. Um, this last year, the Miss America organization underwent a lot of changes, and we were in the news a lot because uh, of some of those changes and some of the new leadership we have. Some of It's been a little controversial at mm-hmm. times. Uh, not necessarily the changes that were made, but more so how some of the changes were communicated and implemented. But things seem to be calming down. Um, the main difference here is we're trying to put more of an emphasis on uh, what would be considered like professional skills, uh, interviewing, uh, public speaking, definitely um, 
emphasizing more scholarships. There's still a talent portion. They got rid of swimsuit because we definitely don't, even though the Miss America pageant started in 1921 mm. in Atlantis, Atlantic City as a swimming suit competition. that It started that way. It was, it was hosted by Catalina Swimsuits as a gimmick for getting people to come one more weekend and extend the summer for the week after Labor Day to to uh, Atlantic City. And so that's gone, and instead they're changing the names of a lot of the competition. Okay. My mind went blank after you said there was no swimsuit competition, although I understand completely why, because uh, these women have much, much, much more to offer than just something that's uh, physical. And uh, I think in this age of the Me Too movement, anything that promotes positive is always welcome. So uh, thank you for that, that insight and that update. Liz, you had a point? Well, I, I'm curious. I know to extend it was about making money. But so since you don't have the swimsuit thing, it, is size a matter in Miss Indiana? Or are they getting rid of that also? Do well, you the, have to be a particular size or weigh a certain weight? You never have had to weigh a certain weight, although I would say there was some of the things we were talking about with uh, this year's candidates for Miss IU, we just had a workshop yesterday, is that it had gotten to the point where swimsuit was only 10% of your competition or of your score, but you spent so much time preparing to be on stage in a swimsuit because you were so concerned about, you know, your appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you wouldn't have to be a certain size or a certain weight, but you definitely, there was an emphasis on fitness and on you know, if somebody did not look physically fit or well-toned, I would say that person wouldn't score as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, if I can inject this as a, a male who may attend or view these uh, competitions, uh, it always seemed that that was one of the um, highlights of the event. And, of course, that fed into certain stereotypes, but um, perhaps taking a page out of what Barbie is doing now, uh, redefining uh, hitting the reset on the image of Barbie with emphasis on, on oftentimes poor body imaging and all the pressures that go with that from eating disorders to all types of uh, self-esteem issues. Uh, it's good to see this organization taking the lead to sort of control and get ahead of all that. I think that is the thinking, is that it, the time has long gone to be like critiquing women, uh, especially publicly on their appearance only. Right. Uh, and so... Andy might be a good person to talk about this a bit, just because she has competed (laughs) in the Miss America organization, both at the teen level, which by the way, teens have never had swimsuit. Uh, Instead, they had like a fitness routine that they did in what would be kind of considered, you know, workout clothes. Mm -hmm. And, um, but she's now been competing this last year in the Miss competition. Uh, But I don't know if you ever had to do swimsuit. I did have to do swimsuit, Uh, only a couple times though. What, what, what would go through your mind as some of the things that Teresa described as far as additional stress that you really shouldn't have to go through, but it was there, it was obvious? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like every day, like you would, you would go to the gym, you would work out because you were essentially being judged on your body. Mm-hmm. And then like you walk on stage and you're like, you're like, oh, got to suck in, got to like try to like flex every muscle I have, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is really hard to do when you're walking in heels. Um, so yeah, it was it was really, really stressful. And then you're standing back there backstage with all these other girls 
who, you know, maybe spent more time at the gym than you or have been working on their body longer than you have. So, like, they have a better body and you're just like, oh. <laughs> well, well who, who had the idea of, of having women walk around in high heels in swimming suits? When, well, when again, I don't know if they or? started as high heels, whatever they would wear in the 1920s. Yeah. You know, the pageant didn't always have scholarships attached. It didn't right, always right. have an interview portion of it. It started as a publicity stunt. And as time went on and the times changed, it, we started adding other elements to it. Maybe, you know, for various reasons, including sponsorships or trying to extend or rehabilitate the image or, right. you know, try to address the stereotypes. But honestly, the swimsuit portion had always been really popular. As far as television yeah. shows go, a lot of times when it was on TV, ratings would go up during, like Nielsen ratings would show more TV sets were on during the swimsuit portion. And after that portion of the competition was over for the Miss American National Broadcast, the ratings would go down. Like the number of people watching. So, it, so that became a little bit of a problem for the organization. They're saying, okay, we don't like this. We don't agree with this. We think with the Me Too movement and all the women empowerment that we're trying to do, mm-hmm. we've got to like walk the talk and get rid of this. But what does that do to TV? And if we want to keep having this on TV, how do we make a case that we can still draw an audience? In this day and age with what is going on, what's the point of continuing this type of, of well, it's not a pageant anymore. It's competition. So okay, a competition. Mm-hmm. How is it rele- relevant, and do we still need it? Well, do you understand my question? What's the yeah, point? Yeah, yeah. Um, if anything, I just think that young girls to have a role model who is smart, can talk well in public, has a talent, clearly like motivated individuals, like they want to do community service within their communities. They each have a social impact um, initiative. Initiative Used to be um, called a platform. So like they're involved in their communities. Um, like they, in college, you know, they're not, they're, you know, STEM majors, business majors. Like it's, it's a role model for young girls. I think that's the relevancy of it. Okay, and then, and then social, you mentioned that, then how are you getting young girls involved in this to go do like do a lot of the contestants are they involved in scouts and girl scouts and how are you reaching out to young girls and how are you getting especially those in poor areas and disenfranchised areas interested and is it for them because you normally don't see a lot of girls of color so how are you doing that kind of thing do you have a, you want me to talk or you want to talk? I don't want to interrupt you. I mean, like, you. I, so how to get involved really is definitely your social impact initiative, whatever that may be. Um, so mine is the Humane Society. So I talk with people who want pets or are looking to volunteer at the Humane Society. So, like, I'm around those types of people a lot. But I know other people are more focused on, you know, the Boys and Girls Club, Um read to succeed, those types of things. So it really can be anything, whatever you're passionate about, um, which like is ranged from all over different communities, different areas, just wherever. Um, as a title holder, you do have um, events you have to go to. And again, those could be just like anywhere. And you're just talking to little girls, you're taking pictures with them and you know, their parents are normally there. So you're like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, like you should do Miss America. Um, And then at the end of it all, like, I believe that anyone could do pageants, whether you 
you know, are a millionaire or you are on a budget. Like the first pageant I competed, I got my dress for like 30 bucks at a thrift store. I just, you know, like I sat outside in front of one of my lacrosse games and I just sat there for like three hours in the rain and I just fundraised the entire time. And I raised over $170 um, for the Children's Miracle Network. So it is possible for anyone to do it. You just have to know, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> know where to find um, the certain things you're looking for, if that makes sense. I think it's like any other, I think it's like any other organization that you can do whatever you want with it. You can make it, if you want to make it about appearance, you can make it about appearance. If you want to mm -hmm. make it about winning, you can make it about winning. Mm -hmm. If you want to make it about giving yourself a challenge where you have to like rise to an occasion and do something that might be scary or difficult and like build your character by doing it, that's what it can be. Right. You know, uh, it was born in an era, I would say, where you know women didn't have a lot of opportunity to do a lot of things. Uh, you said back in the 1926? 1921. 1921. Um, and, and we know women's suffrage, and you just go down the list as far as women being able to have a seat at a board table. We talk still about the glass ceiling. And uh, we talk about finally we can get some political candidates who foreseeably in, in the future could break that final barrier to ascend uh, to roles of leadership. And making the positive change from something that is solely based on physicality to, you know, hey, what's between the ears? And and then you look at how even the last question, that big question that was asked and how its answer used to uh, what be worth 30 or 40 points perhaps, mm -hmm. I mean, a high percentage. The onstage question. The onstage question where all of the world is looking and what would you do to uh, increase world peace? You know, and then you're like, okay. <laughs> uh, but giving women an opportunity to show that, look, um, we could do it all, you know, as, as some songs have said, I think nine to five, where, you know, I could uh, work all day, come home, take care of home, whatever. I could do it all, you know, and this is an opportunity to do so. There have been some remarkable ladies who have uh, won this particular uh, mm -hmm. competition through the years. And of course, you and I have talked, Teresa, before about one in particular who's dear to our hearts. And um, uh, Nancy Streets Lyons uh, mm -hmm. comes to mind as the first African-American woman back in 1959 and many african-americans who at one time or the other have taken the jet magazine know that famous picture on the jet cover with her beaming with a million dollar smile and just her story and we're still in contact with her today yes uh, and then there are others ha that have succeeded her. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. And uh, so in 2016, our title holder was um, Justice Coleman, who now uh, is Justice Kelly because she's married. But oh. yes, she is still here at IU, and she is finishing up her master's in public health right now. And she is helping um, direct another local pageant that'll be happening this Saturday, the Kiwanis Balloon Fest pageant. And so she stayed involved because she found she really likes working with other young women. Everyone in the Miss America organization, except the people at headquarters, are volunteers. Nobody gets paid. But there are a lot of us who like working with young women. And so she has stayed on and has been doing that. But during her time as Miss IU and then even after, she has just been a great representative. She um, 
a lot of times Miss IU is called on to speak to prospective students, and we've mm-hmm. worked with the Office of Community and Schools uh, Partnerships and several other uh, programs that are trying to reach underrepresented populations. Um, she's gone to speak to the groups. She's worked with the groups scholars. She's worked with um, the Balfour Academy, been a guest, you know, guest speaker there. And then in 2017, our next Miss IU was Anaya Birdsall. And Anaya is also an African-American young woman. And her her whole thing was she was into STEM. That was her that was her major. And she now is a pharmaceutical rep for um, Eli Lilly. And her thing, she went out and worked like with the GEMS program at Bloomington North. Are you familiar with that? That's Girls in Engineering, Math, and Science. Mm-hmm. And she would do different sorts of outreach programs. Justice and Anaya both... Um, and our other Miss IUs, even the ones who aren't African-American, often go out and work with Head Start programs, uh, Boys and Girls Club, Girls Inc. I think Justice had a program there where it was kind of queen princess for a day. And we planned this program where all the girls there um, at the event made sashes for their friend that they were partnered up with. And they wrote on their Miss, like, you know, Miss Beautiful, Miss, you know, um, hospitable, miskind, whatever they want to call their friend. And Justice found a way to buy them all little crowns, and they all had a crowning ceremony and talked about their friends and what was so good about their friends. So this sort of thing where you get to work with young girls and is something that I think college-age women really enjoy. That They really see that as an important part of the program. Yeah, that, that, that makes me feel so much better about... Uh, a lot of the stereotypes over the years that have been sort of hurled at these type of competitions, but to hear this positive um, reality uh, from this particular Miss IU, and I don't know if you could speak for any other competition out there, but there is a particular designation that IU holds. It's one of the uh, longest, what was that designation? Um, Out of 36 local Miss America pageants in Indiana, Miss IU is the only student-produced pageant. Mm-hmm. Now, 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 let's talk about something that all students can relate to, and that is money. Uh, <laughs> or the thing, lack thereof. The lack thereof. Uh, the concept of poor, starving student is mm-hmm. reality. And these particular competitions could be a means to an end for scholarship support. Yep. Uh, and then uh, maybe a, a launching pad or a platform to step into other vocational areas. Uh, someone who took a love for STEM is now a pharmaceutical rep with one of the America's leading pharmaceutical uh, development companies. Uh, can you speak towards the, the financial incentives that are available um, for just being you, for showcasing your talent? Um, so it is a scholarship pageant, so depending on how many girls are competing, I'd say at least around five, maybe, I don't know, get um, scholarships from pretty much $500 and up. So it all, at the local level, it all depends on what kind of support you have at your community level, Mm -hmm. whether you have to raise the scholarship money or not. But Miss America also gives you some money from their foundation. Uh, At the state level, there are several sponsors. And I know, like, Miss Indiana usually gets eight to $10,000. Miss America gets at least $50,000 plus a year contract where you have uh, all your travel paid for and you have a handler and a manager and a salary Um, because you're out doing a job all year. But Miss Indiana, you know, does, you know, quite well just alone. And anybody who even 
makes it to state gets at least a small scholarship of like I don't know, $250, $350, even if they don't win anything else while they're there. And there are multiple scholarships like, you know, community service, leadership, all this kind of business, GPA, you know, top arts performance. But at our pageant, we are very fortunate that the IU Foundation gives us $3,000 to give away. So your estimate is about right, but it isn't yeah. necessarily five separate yeah, people. Yeah. So we give away, we take that 3,000 and 1,500 goes to the person who wins and 1,000 goes to the first runner-up and 500 to the second runner-up. And then from the Miss America Foundation, we have, uh, we spend at least $750 every year out of our money they give us. And we give at least a community service scholarship and usually the person want another 250 for that, 250 for top talent score and 250 for top interview. Mm -hmm. So that could be somebody could get like first runner up and one of those awards and, and mm -hmm. get more. Mm -hmm. So what I find really interesting, this speaks back to the fact that I have a lot of students who are 21st century scholars mm -hmm. or who might be here on some other kind of scholarship. Mm -hmm. And then we have to figure out how we can apply that money because financial aid's really goofy. Right. Like it can penalize, it can penalize yes. them if oh, they're given, no. it, this will count as additional income. Right. Right. So we have to get really creative and the IU Foundation's been pretty good about good. that. And that good. what we'll do is if they're taking summer classes, most people who have 21st century scholarships or other sort of uh, funding like that don't get it in the summer. So if they take a summer class, we can put it in that account, mm -hmm. like for summer. Mm -hmm. um, Miss America money can be used for textbooks, for housing, to pay a student loan. It can be used toward a computer for school. Um, and so there are different ways we can get around that. But we have a lot of students who, you know, it might surprise you. They're so well put together, you would have no idea that they're actually here on some sort of need base and having their school mm -hmm. already paid for. Um, and so it's very possible for all sorts of students to participate. And I'm happy that those sort of people earn these opportunities. When you actually have the pageant, uh, do uh, you get large crowds? Because I never hear about when it is. Is uh, just IU invited? Is the Anybody community invited? Yeah. And I just don't hear about it. I think it mainly gets publicized on campus, but uh, maybe we need to do more to make sure it gets outside of campus. Well, when you come on, bring it on. Oh, the crowds are going to come <laughs> in now. Yeah, well. So it's the uh, admission is free, and the one thing we do is uh, one of our officers who also competed several years ago, and now she's a director up in Indianapolis of another pageant called Miss Spirit. Her name's Paige Gear. She um, started a food drive back in oh, boy, it's like night or not 19, excuse me, 2012. So ever since then, we have always had a food drive in conjunction with the pageant. There's no admission for the pageant, but we encourage people to bring something for a food pantry. And three years ago, some students on campus started the Crimson Cupboard. Maybe you've not heard of this. It was um, a student named Mercedes who talked about how there was, you know, a, students who were food insecure, especially at certain times in the semester when their funding was running out. And so she worked with some other students and got some space in Campus View Apartments, and they have uh, a food pantry over there. And they also collect like personal hygiene products and laundry soap. And so we found out about that. And we, instead of giving our food to Hoosier Hills, as we had done before, we now, for the last three years, have been giving it to 
Crimson Cupboard. And then we also get businesses in town who will donate raffle prizes. So somebody brings five cans of food or five toothbrushes or whatever, you get five tickets in the raffle, and we give away prizes that night and then take the items over. We had over 200 and some items last year we took over. Oh, that's Crimson. wonderful. What a and wonderful so, idea. So then – and. Miss IU Partners and Pageantry at IU Partners with another service organization on campus called Circle K at IU, mm -hmm. which is the college version of Kiwanis. And they come and help us because we're so busy running the show. They actually work the table for us and help us draw for the raffle during the pageant. Anyone's welcome to come. It's a great, entertaining show. Students MC, students write the script, students perform during filler uh, talent while we're having wardrobe changes. Um, it's very entertaining. Well, if you just tuned in, we are speaking with Teresa White, Executive Director of Miss IU, along with Miss Andy Hagan, who's an Executive Officer with Pageantry IU. Um, you know, you were just describing the food pantry, and earlier I used a, a sort of a, a humorous phrase that through the decades has always sort of been attributed to every student can associate with being a poor, st starving student mm -hmm. at some point. But what you just described is has added some more weight to that in that there are students who, mm -hmm. you said food averse, in other words, they don't have that much. And they're trying I think, to make I think we were food insecure is the term. Food we insecure, yes. not, not averse, but insecure. Uh, and that's a general way of saying every little bit helps. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're trying to focus on your studies and getting through any institution and, and, every, and every bit of assistance you can get um, is, help, is helpful. Uh, Ms. Hagan, yeah. Pageantry IU, uh, you put on workshops throughout the year to help, um, old, not train, but teach mm -hmm. contestants on how to walk with poise, <laughs> speak with diction, and put your shoulders back, and this eye contact, all that. What all goes into that? And if you can describe from that what the day of the contest will look like. Um, so I know in our workshop specifically, we definitely focus more on our resume mm -hmm. and our social <clears throat> impact statement. statement. Um, just because now after the change, the Miss America 2.0, like that is, that is the main focus. Um, but as far as day of competition, you get there probably around 8 a.m. And you go through your interview, which is 10 minutes of just... Um, questions from whatever was put on your resume and then your social impact statements and then current events. And then you'll typically have rehearsal for the opening number. You'll practice your talent on stage, um, practice evening gown walk. And then once the pageant starts, you have opening number, your onstage interview question. Um, then you have talent. Oh, this is going to be talent next. Yeah, yeah. talent. Mm -hmm. Um, and then evening gown, and during evening gown, you have your social impact, um, eight to ten segments of like your little statement. Um, and then after that's crowning, and you know, it's about I'd say eight to six or seven p.m. depending on the pageant, give or take, and how many contestants there are. But that's it. <laughs> it's a full day. Oh it? yeah. Oh so yeah. The, con the contestants <laughs> oh, are there all day. Uh, we also feed them lunch. That we don't let them starve. <laughs> but then the actual show starts in the evening, usually at five thirty or six. Kind of depending on, we have to adjust that time after we know exactly how many contestants we have, so we can plan the time. But every moment, let, let, let's not be uh, 
you know, let's not forget the fact they are being viewed and observed all through the day as a process of being the, evaluated. The judges, in some ways. the judges see them in the morning at their private interview, which mm-hmm. they do with a panel of five judges. Uh, yeah, that's the ten-minute interview, and then the judges don't see them again until they're on on. Okay, so they can take stage. a deep breath and they could yes. sort of relax. Now, is do your jaw bones hurt and you because of the muscles you have to smile all day long? I mean, it's just <laughs> that dude, was going to be like, my question. Yeah, like crazy glue <laughs> in the corner of your mouth, just kind of uh, paste that in there. But uh, how is how's that sensation knowing that you've been watched? You have your interview with judges, and then that night, mm-hmm. what, is, what is that? What does that feel like? I mean, if I'm being honest, like a lot of times, like I just, I forget about it on stage. Like I'll, I'll think about something else. Like I will focus on something else. Like evening gown, like you're supposed to smile and look pretty. So like, I will think about something that just like makes me happy. Whether that's like a joke my dad said or my best friends. Like I am not thinking about the judges. I'm just like, okay. Like, mm-hmm. um, and in talent, I'm not focused on judges either. I'm like focused I just like on my talent and doing like the best job I can do. Mm-hmm. You might so, tell them what you do for talent. Oh, I play the cello, so oh, okay. um, a lot of intense concentration. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure if you're a dancer or a singer, you're focused on the music and you're not right. thinking about the judges. But that's just my personal experience. Okay. Have we mentioned when this is going to take place? Right. Oh, yes. I'm thinking, you, you need I to come. Th- I, yeah. I'm thinking I haven't heard. So, yeah, tell so me when and where. And we, are, we will be in Alumni Hall in the IMU. That's where the event takes place mm-hmm. on February 17th, which is a Sunday. And again, we're not quite sure if our start time is going to be at 5.30 or 6 yet. This Friday is our deadline for candidates to turn in all their paperwork. So I'll know exactly how many people we have to cycle through interviews in the morning because it might, you know, push things back a little bit. Mm -hmm. But we'll either start at 5.30 or 6. Doors will open half an hour before. And anybody who comes, you're all welcome. Um, Just please bring something for our food drive (laughs) because we want to keep Paige's project alive. This is our, you know, seventh or eighth year of doing that. And we just are really excited about that. And you're also saying at this food drive, you can bring, uh, uh, like, Toothbrushes, yes. it doesn't necessarily Laundry soap, have to be food. Toilet paper. Yeah, just anything Any- you think a college student would need. Right. Okay. Yes. Uh, we have just a few more moments left, um, and I want to create this sort of visual, and then I'd like for you both to sort of comment on this. All while growing up, you know, it's not all been about the swimsuit because I was a little kid. I mean, probably, you know, whatever age, and we're not going to talk about that. We don't have time for all that right now. But anyway. Um, really, it's all come down to the finalists up on stage. And then the announcer says, we've come to the moment you've been waiting for. And at that point, is it, is it safe to assume your heart is racing? Yes. <laughs> your <laughs> yes, temples are, are just just exploding and, and you're smiling and you're, too, you're, you're, not, you're not pushing all things out of your mind because you want to hear and you're so wanting to hear your name. But then they would do reverse order. As far as the what the the fourth the runners up the runners up are and mm-hmm. then you're your heart's just beating and then someone's name is called not yours and so there's this sort of release of a, of emotion and you know it's like intensifying and, and has anyone ever passed out before because <laughs> I've that, seen that's a, a tremendous I'm sure it has of, happened um, I've seen people collapse to the floor although they were still conscious you know, just in surprise. 
I've, I actually know in 2013, our Miss IU, Taryn Thomas, won Miss Indiana. And when it got down to the two people on stage, and she was one of them, and one of them was going to be Miss Indiana and the other was going to be the first runner-up, the other um, young woman was somebody we knew really well who was maybe three or four years older than her. And a lot of times the older women do better just because they have more life experience uh, to talk about during interviews and all this. And Taryn told me that at that moment when they were standing there holding each other's hands, she said to Hannah, I'm going to be so proud to be your first runner-up. And then they called Taryn's name. And Taryn had this face that the Indianapolis Star caught in this fabulous photo where she was just genuinely like, (gasps) like, oh, I can't believe it's just awestruck, like incredulous, had no clue. And um, she was just walking around with her mouth open, like, like this for a long time. And I've seen that happen a lot because... Well, it's, it, I'm sure it kind of feels like it's happening in slow motion, and then it's all a big blur. But my husband couldn't contain me. I was just, like, bouncing up and down in the seat and yelling and screaming and acting like a fool. Um, I was just very happy for her. Um, so, yeah. I I think that Andy can – Andy's done how many pageants this this season? You've done how many locals? Uh, I will, Miss I, you will be my fourth, fourth. this mm-hmm. year. Yes. Well, we are we are out of time, um, and I thoroughly well, enjoyed this conversation. It went by fast. fast, and the winner is our <laughs> listeners for tuning in tonight. Um, but but one thing I will say, uh, you think of your county queen, homecoming queen, high school homecoming queen, and this sort of con- contest is is it's not just isolated to the big ones. I mean, it starts off at early ages and. Is this sense of sometimes maybe competition, but nevertheless, um, it does help with self-esteem, confidence. Um, you know how to present oneself with poise and just eloquence, and to represent well. And uh, Andy, if if you are a result of that, you have represented well this evening. And Teresa, mm-hmm. I told you this earlier, but you can go and write. Well, you are a journalist, but you could definitely write bios for everyone. You just have such a command of painting the picture of someone and a profile. But we thank you both for uh, joining us this yes, evening. Yes, thank you so much. And this is going to come in handy for his future daughters. That's right. He's got yes. two beautiful daughters. Well, well when Anaya Birdsong won, and of course we talked about it, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter, is named Anaya. So, of course, yes. her, her eyes were wide, her mouth was all smiles. And But anyway, our thanks to Teresa Watt, Executive Director of Miss IU, along with Andy Hagen, an executive with Pageantry IU, for joining us this evening to discuss the upcoming Miss IU contest scheduled for Sunday, February the 17th. What time in the evening? You know, if you got there at 530, you're not going to miss it. And the place again is? Alumni Hall in the IMU. Indiana Memorial Union. Right. Free of charge. All righty. Bring It On has an open submission policy. So if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email or to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address again once is bringiton at wfhb.org.
just heard Wonderful Tonight by the legendary award-winning singer, songwriter, producer, Indiana legend, Kenneth Brian Edmonds, known professionally as Babyface. Uh, he's a, as I said, a singer, songwriter, and record producer who has written and produced over 26 number one R&B hits throughout his career and has won 11 Grammy Awards. To keep up with local news and find out what's happening behind the scenes at WFHB, you're invited to like the WFHB Facebook page. Go to Facebook.com and search for WFHB. Or you can always visit the WFHB News website at WFHB.org news. 
Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org. For Bring It On, I'm Clarence Boone. And I'm Liz Mitchell. This year's Black History Month kickoff was last Thursday. Uh, Yesterday, there was a remarkable and insightful documentary on Reverend Marvin Chandler, and there is growing anticipation for this year's State of the Black Community presentation on February the 12th. Now, the Bloomington community can always take pride in the caliber of events that take place each year during Black History Month. Mm -hmm. And at the top of the hour, we mentioned that Monica Johnson, who now has a dual role at Indiana University, she not only for years has served as the director of the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center, she is also director of university and cross-cultural engagement for the whole IU system. And she joins us tonight uh, to talk about some campus uh, Black History Month activities, and they had a phenomenal kickoff called a juke joint. Now, we have to get some definitions here because some people listening may not understand. Like, I I grew up, we had dances in the basement, and depending on the type of dance, the light may be down or dim. You know, father was up at the top of the stairs, of course, you know that. And then, of course, you had your, your DJ and and food, the lady, food. And the, yeah, f- food, food. <laughs> and the lady seated next to me to my left, Liz Mitchell, is now being known in a lot of circles as the uh, creator of the Mama Minnie's Juke Joint, which has uh, helped fundraise for various uh, projects that she's uh, affiliated with. Now, Monica, you're bringing another concept of the Juke Joint to the Bloomington community. Now, please define and elaborate uh, on this event. Thank you all for having me um, here. Uh, Again, my name is Monica Johnson. I do direct the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center. Um, But for this year, for the university's Black History Month kickoff, which um, is a part of our Black History Month um, programming, which is under the theme, Lift Every Voice, a celebration of black music and art. Um, And this year, we really wanted to focus in on black creativity in all forms. Um, And for me, as a Mississippi native, someone who is born and raised underneath folks that love the blues, um, I wanted to bring that celebration of black autonomy, um, black creativity, and black joy um, to the IU community, specifically to Indiana University students. Um, So we had our opening celebration, which was a night at the juke joint. Um, And it included um, food, it included um, spoken word artists, there were visual artists presenting their pieces in gallery, photographers, singers, um, rappers, all of these folks were there and we had a, a roaring good time. Um, and when I, when I spoke of the juke joint um, as a place of autonomy, you think about um, the 30s, 40s, the 20s, 1920s, 1930s, yeah. 1940s, when um, black folk may not have been allowed to go in establishments, black folks might have created albums and had records that were nationally recognized, but when you got the record art, it didn't have nobody black on the record. Um, So our music and our creative product was able to go in places that we were not. We were not allowed to take our bodies. So you have 
um, folks in communities that still had spaces where musicians could come together and jam, where folks could come together and eat, um, maybe partake in something that was at that time prohibited, the alcohol. <laughs> we ain't had none of that at the juke joint, I want to let y'all know, on Friday. <laughs> but... Um, but where black folks were allowed in times when their bodies were overly policed, were overly harassed, overly harmed, they were allowed in these spaces that they created to be. And um, I wanted to bring that to the top as we talk about black creativity and black art and black music, that it doesn't always have to be somebody with um, a record on the billboard. It doesn't always have to be classical or or R&B or hip hop. Ain't nothing wrong with the blues. Um, and the foundations of the blues can be felt in many genres. So if you're talking blues music, you can't talk country unless you talk about the blues. You can't talk gospel in some areas unless you talk about the blues. Jazz had a foundation in blues. These songs, these these blues artists that were then elevated in the Northeast to become jazz artists. So um, that was that was our purpose in having a juke joint to kick it all off. Um, but we had a we had a good old time. A that good was old wonderful. Time. What a wonderful idea! And then to share that part of our culture. That's why I started having a juke joint for the community. Is we know about white folk. White folk don't know so much about us, and so we need to share and we need to educate people on what we're about so that maybe it can tone down some of that racism and they understand, oh, this is this is where you come from. This is what you like. This is how this evolved. Mm. And it's real important for people to start sharing those stories and sharing our culture and for the other side to have the willingness to learn. Right. about what we're about. And honey, you're right there. There's nothing like a good old juke joint. Nothing like it. And we even had um, the new restaurant in town, Joella's Hot Chicken. Um, they actually helped donate a portion of the food that we served for the juke joint, which was hot chicken and greens and mac and cheese and banana pudding. Um, these things that are, are stereotypically Southern. Um, but... Folks don't know with this new hot chicken craze that everybody has has kind of dug into, right? So, like, I think KFC had a hot chicken, and oh, Charlie's did like a hot chicken appetizer. Uh -huh. um, folks don't know hot, hot chicken started in Nashville, Tennessee, where I went to undergrad, and a black man's little hole in the wall restaurant, Prince's Hot Chicken. Oh yes, and at Prince's Hot Chicken. They didn't take credit cards. I was there like two years ago. They still wasn't taking credit cards. Somebody's grandmama was making uh, pound cakes and selling them in the front of the restaurant. And this man's chicken recipe is something that was locally loved. And then everybody got excited about it. And then folks were able to come and do that from a commercial standpoint mm -hmm. to have all these franchise spaces, but even that had origins within our community. So it was important for me, even though we are extremely grateful for Joella's and all that they did and the food is really, really good, but for, for me to let students know that many of these things that are now delicacies for us started off as scraps given to our community That's right. that we turned into something that was real good. Mm -hmm. you no, know, salt and pepper take you a long way. I usually tell people that, but, but even that was a part of the history that was shared. Yes. 
you know, I want to correct you on that. When you asked where were chicken wings created, I thought it was in my mother's kitchen. First of all. All right, but anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, 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 that'll be a whole hour conversation. Um, uh, Ms. Johnson has brought uh, some calendars, not only for the month of February, but then there are activities going on throughout the balance of uh, this uh, spring semester that I'd like for her to touch on. And then uh, talk a little bit about some of the signature events this month that are must-attend events that she'd like for the community to really come out for. Absolutely. So the new Marshall Black Culture Center um, definitely celebrates black culture and black heritage 365 days of the year, even though we have uh, February which just so happens to be the shortest month in the year. But, you know, I, I have been seeing memes lately that have said um, black history begins and ends with me and I am a full calendar year being. So hello, um, just Love want to, to let folks know that they can always come to our space to learn more um, about black culture, identity, black history, not simply by walking into the center and asking people to say, oh, you know, what do black people do here? That's not the way to do it. Definitely, if you would like to learn more about black culture, black heritage, black identity, I encourage folks to come to programming that happens in the Neil Marshall. Um, so for us, our next program that will be open and accessible to the community is the Black Knowledge Bowl. And this actually is a longstanding No Marshall Black Culture Center tradition, um, but we have, have remixed it quite a bit. So the theme for this year, again, we are under a Lift Every Voice, Creativity, Music, and Art. The theme for Black Knowledge Bowl is Please Don't Stop the Music. So we are going to explore Black popular music, multi-generational throughout centuries and decades. And we are going to see how much these young folk know. Um, we're gonna have some challenges, some teens. Um, somebody might be asked to dance or remix a nursery rhyme. Ain't no telling. We're gonna have fun with the Black Knowledge Bowl. Um, and then throughout the year, we have other programs that are, are meant directly to support uh, black students on Indiana University's campus. We monthly will have opportunities for them to come and eat and, and retreat and share with our community. Um, but we, we also are throughout the year and specifically through Black History Month promoting events by other departments and units on campus. Um, so many of um, the schools, individual Indiana University schools are having programming. Um, one of which that I wanted to make sure to highlight is there is a hip hop in the golden age conference that is happening through the Jacobs School of Music. And that is actually on Saturday, February 16th. And it's a conference that people can can pay for and attend, but it is going to celebrate um, one of De La Soul's like albums, like their, their earth um, shattering, groundbreaking album. Um, and the keynote speaker for that will be Prince Paul. So I think folks need to definitely check into the to the Jacob School of Music if they would like to register for that program. Um, but we we want to make sure that folks know that there are a variety of things that you can do, not just on IU's campus, throughout Bloomington to celebrate Black History Month. That, that sounds awesome. Um, I would also like to know, uh, you mentioned all of these wonderful activities for this month, and you have told our listening audience that they could come to the center at any time if they want to become culturally aware and learn. 
what do you do during the year? And I specifically want to ask you, would you please do the juke joint more than once? <laughs> you know, it's funny you ask that because after the program won, it was our largest attended Black History Month opener. So last year we had probably about 60 people that came. Um, and this year, um, I don't know if it was all that all of their friends were participating or that we were guaranteeing that there would be some uh, Joella's hot chicken. I don't know what it was. But we walked in and we got ready to open the doors and someone asked me, is there a, a theater program happening today? Like, is there a play happening today? Because, you know, the Neil Marshall share space with the IU Theater. And I said, no, there's there's not a program happening today. And they were like, all these people are coming for the Black History Month opener. And it was close to 300 folks that Wonderful. were in the space. Now, if the fire marshal would have came over there, they would have shut us down. You know, I don't need to be trying to call the fire marshal. But it was it was so refreshing to see that that many people had come. And not only were they there, but when all the seats were gone, people were standing three and four deep in kind of the, the vestibule area mm -hmm. um, just to hear. And they stayed for two hours just here, standing and listening. And and when I say these people performed, you know, I even sang a little something. Uh-oh. They, they caught me. I had to sing a little something. <laughs> um, but they came and they performed. Now... For, for folks that want to come and visit the Neil Marshall, we have a couple of things that, that probably would, would be entertaining as a tour. We are an amazing space. We're one of the largest university-bound black culture centers in the country. And we have three floors of artwork and exhibits and their historical panels that will tell the history of black folk at Indiana University. Um, and also, this past summer, I was... Um, very blessed to be able to go to Cape Town, South Africa. So it was the first time I was ever on the African continent. And then to be able to go to South Africa, um, I was able to bring back pieces from Cape Town. So I have um, some, some displays up on the second floor that will even include a ceremonial Zulu mask. So um, just a wonderful opportunity if folks want to come out and, and see art and see the space and even learn more about Indiana University. I would like to know too, uh, since I, I have grandchildren and I would like to bring them, do you have a program for kids to come over and participate in things uh, and just to sit and be, like say elementary, mm. to sit and be with some college students uh, periodically, something where college students can connect with elementary mm -hmm. school kids? Well, we don't directly as a department, but we are um, under a larger unit of the Office of the Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Multicultural Affairs. But there is a, a unit underneath community and school partnerships, and they routinely will bring students in to tour the Neil Marshall and have a guided tour um, and even work with our community on various programs, too. So there are, there are lots of ways to connect. Okay. Oh, you have one more question that you, you want to ask? Um, what, um, again, you mentioned all, all of these things. Uh, at any time, is there a way, do, do people need to have your contact information or, or, or just tell us how we can contact if we're interested in getting over, coming over to the Neil Marshall? 
Honestly, the best way to keep abreast of what events are happening and to contact us will be to link in with our Facebook social media community. Okay. We are very active on the Facebook platform, and it's the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center. And there you will find links to our university website, as well as listing of events and opportunities to commu- connect with others. Okay. And just so since we're talking about IU, uh, February the 14th, WTIU is going to show Reverend Marvin Chandler open to the moment at 8 o'clock p.m. So if you missed the premiere yesterday, WTIU is going to air Reverend Marvin Chandler open to the moment February the 14th at 8 o'clock p.m. One last thing I'd like to say, and and that is an open invitation, uh, once you're your busy schedule permits to have you back on and talk about your new role as director of university cross-cultural engagement. We know that that's uh, more than just a 15-minute conversation, so we want to get you in on that. Um, and in, in closing, we'd like to say our thanks to Monica Johnson, director of the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center and director, as I just said, of university cross-cultural engagement for joining us this evening to talk about some of the signature events uh, that are coming up and give us sort of a uh, a re, uh, sort of a post uh, analysis of the juke joint event that was just hosted at the Black Culture Center. If you have an event or happening the African American community should know about, please send the information directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about a calendar item that you've heard about tonight, contact us at Bring It On at wfhb.org. Once again, our thanks to Teresa White, Executive Director of Miss IU, along with Andy Hagen, an Executive Officer with Pageantry IU, for joining us this evening to discuss the upcoming Miss IU contest scheduled for Sunday, February the 17th. Our show's producer is Clarence Boone, sitting right here next to me with his handsome self, with help from WFHB News Department Director Wes Martin. Our board engineer has been Taya Wilson and Chanel Lafatant. Hope I said that right. Our original theme music was created by Jamal Ephraim with additional background checks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Liz Mitchell. I'm Clarence Boone. Tune in next Monday, February 11th at 6 p.m. for another exciting edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.